The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. You drink deeply of Jesus. Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you Come to the water of life. Amen. You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. I'm having a very difficult time today. My heart is broken over what's happening in Israel. I love Israel because God loves Israel, not because of their righteousness, for they are a very unrighteous people. They are right now in full rebellion against the living God of heaven, but God still remembers his covenant promise made to a man. God did not choose a nation. He chose one man, Abram. And he made a vow to that man. That vow is, in effect, yes, today. I was watching the news, and a young man was standing in Gaza, looking at his destroyed, beautiful little apartment. He said, I was just married. 
What did I do to deserve all of this? I have never shot a missile at Israel. I've never harmed Israel. Why is this happening to me? It's not fair. He's right. It's not fair. The reality is that this war is not about fairness or unfairness. This war goes all the way back several thousand years. Genesis, the 12th chapter. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Reading from the English Standard Version. If you dishonor Israel, the Lord said, I will dishonor you. If you curse Israel, I will curse you. It's that simple. Oh, but that has nothing to do with me. Oh, yes, it does. Because the God of heaven is in charge. We have this faulty idea in our current culture that we're free to do whatever we want to do. We're free to say whatever we want to say. We can do all of this without consequence. The truth is, God hears. God hears everything we say and everything we do. And there are consequences. It's tragic that the enemies of Israel have never understood that the God of Abram, of Isaac, and Jacob is the God who is in charge of the world. And yes, there is a war on. It is a war over the word of God. There is a war on over the covenant made with Abraham those many thousands of years ago. And it's being fought. Now we're watching as as Israel destroys a people. As Israel bombs and levels city. And it breaks our hearts, for it means the death of men, women, and children. Israel did not start this war. But they will finish it. Is it for me to assign blame? No, for I'm not in a position of power, and neither are you. If America, as it has done, has under several presidents turned aside its love for Israel and violated this this covenant with Abram, Providing money, ammunition to the enemies of Israel, 
we pay a heavy price for that. When we send plane loads of cash, we are a wicked people. Now, the reality is that this war is not going to exist only between Israel and the Gaza Strip. The land promised to Israel belongs to Israel. Jerusalem is God's city. Don't play with it. If we look at what's happening on three war fronts, likely to expand into an even wider battle, and then we look at what's happening between a wicked, wicked nation, Ukraine, and how United States is supporting the Ukraine, and then how the enemy is finding weapons being supplied to them against Israel. There will be a price to pay for that wickedness. And the day is coming when the United States of America will finally have taken all of their support from Israel. And the United States will be equally destroyed with bombs and war. The whole world's focus is around this tiny little nation of Israel. How is that possible? Because that land was claimed by God. And whether you like it or not, after their rebellion against Jesus, they were punished. But they've been gathered to their land once more not their land, though. It's God's land. Several years ago, I visited Israel when I landed at the Ben-Gurion Airport outside of Tel Aviv. I wanted to get down and kiss the land. When I went to Jerusalem, I have to tell you, I've never felt more at home in any land, and I've traveled extensively in Europe. I've never felt at home in any land other than Israel, because I knew it was God's land. I bless Israel. You may be upset with me, you may believe in replacement theology, believing that the church has taken the place of Israel and that God no longer respects the vow, the covenant he made with Abram. I believe you're wrong. Replacement theology is just heresy. And God will not bless you, and his curses will come upon you. Please, what I'm trying to say as I begin this broadcast today is that it matters what you believe. It matters where you place your blessing. If God says a thing, it's true. If the devil says a thing, it's a lie. 
And in the end, it's finally going to come down to what did the devil say? What did God say? And the day will come when this war will be finished. In fact, it's not a war between Hamas, Hezbollah, or Iran. It's not a war between them and Israel. It's a war between them and God. It's a war between God's people and the devil's people. And in the end, it will be settled righteously. And God will finally claim the earth. For it belongs to the Lord God of heaven. Now, there are charlatans who call themselves pastors. There are charlatans who claim to represent Jesus, but by their actions and by their curses, you know they do not belong to the Lord of Lords. They have put their weight down on the devil's side. Now, this war involves people. And there are sometimes tragedies on the side of God's people. I speak with you briefly of one of those tragedies. You see, whenever a child of God is a casualty in this war, whether it be with Rome or the United States, when there is a casualty, there is grief and sorrow on the part of God's people. And many of God's people have died as martyrs. One that I raised before you today in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, who belonged to the body of Jesus Christ, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. It doesn't say so, but as always when one of God's people is executed, murdered, the church grieves. And sometimes the church has to be awakened to the evil that it faces in this nation. I love America. I'm a patriot. But America is not my home. My home is heaven. My bottom line, loyalty, allegiance, is to Jesus Christ. That's where my love truly rests. In this case, it's Rome. These nations are all just temporary nations. They're not lasting nations. The lasting nation was described by Daniel in the second chapter as a rock cut out without hands. 
In other words, no human origin. And that rock was cast down at the feet where we now dwell. And the rock smashed and ground to pieces. All of the great nations of the world. And it grew into a huge mountain that filled the earth. We will see that happen. James was the brother of the Apostle John. He too was an apostle. He was put to death with the sword. And when King Herod saw that this pleased the wicked, rebellious Jewish leadership, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod did not intend that Peter should escape and planned on putting him in a show mock trial because he had done nothing wrong. So he kept Peter in prison, but the church, the body of Jesus, earnestly prayed to God to deliver Peter. Probably James was dead before the church even knew what was happening. But the church, in cooperation with God, with Jesus, who is the head of the church, was sleeping at night, waiting for his execution. He did not consider himself to be special. He recognized that every Christian faces the possibility of being executed for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Many in Saudi Arabia, in that wicked, wicked nation, many in Iran, the Sudan, Vietnam, and I could name many other nations, Christians have been executed in the most cruel and vile ways. But it has not caused Christians to turn aside. Where the blood has been shed, the Holy Spirit has worked mightily to cause that blood not to fall without without repercussions, without causing the church to grow and prosper and become even more bold. So here's Peter. He's sleeping on the ground between two soldiers were bound with two chains, and then sentries stood guard at the entrance. That is as secure a prison as Rome knew how to make. When suddenly, in the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the cell was filled with angelic light, light straight from heaven. He awakened Peter, and said to him, Quick, get up. As he said this, the chains fell with clanking to the floor. Peter's wrists no longer were chained. The angel said to him, Quick, put on your clothes and your sandals. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And Peter got up 
followed the angel's instructions and walked out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. This modern-day Peter, heavenly man, was in prison in China. He had the same experience. The doors opened wide. He walked out. Escaped China. Was caught in another nation and spent two more years in prison while his family escaped. But unfortunately, it's not what happens in most cases. The wicked are determined to destroy the body of Christ. Satan has almost totally destroyed the body of Christ in America with its modern ways, its party time, its wicked music, its shallow cotton candy understanding of who Jesus is and what this this covenant with Abraham really means. Peter passed the first, second guards. He came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened all by itself. Peter and the angel walked through it. And when they had walked the length of one street into the city, Suddenly, the angel was gone, and Peter was standing there in the night air, praising God. Now I know, he said without a doubt, that the Lord sent his angel, and he rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this fully dawned on him, He went to the house of Mary, mother of John. Many people had gathered, and they were praying. I praise God that there was a time when God's people knew how to gather and pray. We've lost that understanding. Today, everything is soft and easy. But that time is almost past. Things are going to become very, very painful and difficult for American Christians. Persecution is coming like a freight train. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. She recognizes Peter's voice. She's so overwhelmed with joy. She runs back into the house without opening the door. She leaves Peter standing outside. Peter is at the door, she shouts. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must just be his angel. Peter kept on knocking. When they opened the door, it was Peter. And they were astonished. I say this to you in these easy soft, and wicked times in the church. This is going to change. 
and the church will find it necessary to gather and pray all night that Christians would be delivered from jails. Peter finally got him to be quiet. He described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, that's the brother of Jesus, the head of the church, about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, things were very, very confusing in the jail. There was great consternation. Where's Peter? What's happened to our primary prisoner? The entertainment for the people. The honor of Herod. Well, they couldn't find Peter. He was hidden away by the Lord. No, Peter finally did die, crucified by Rome. And his wife also, crucified by Rome. With Peter encouraging them and encouraging his wife as they crucified him upside down. But that's not to come yet. Herod immediately had a thorough search made for Peter. Every nook and cranny of that jail was examined and lights placed in it. But they didn't find him. So he cross-examined the guards. And then he ordered that they be executed. That's how Satan functions with an evil heart. Herod went from Judea to Caesarea. Caesarea was a beautiful, beautiful harbor. It was it was luxury beyond luxury. He stayed there a while because he was so upset that Peter had escaped his clutches. Now, King Herod had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They all joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, They asked for peace with Herod because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. Nothing has changed, has it? On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms, died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. I love that. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms, and he died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. God was so offended by Herod that he gave him a basket full of worms to eat him. A very painful death. It's interesting that the Lord did not execute him for for murdering James. 
but for dishonoring the name of the Lord. He died being eaten by worms. I want you to see, God does not take vengeance yet when there is a murder of one of God's people. But let that murder totally dishonor and claim to be what he is not. The Lord executes him with worms. That's what he thinks of the man. He doesn't murder him with a sword. He doesn't give him an honorable death. Instead, he's squirming on the floor in his blood as the worms consume him. We see over and over in the scriptures that God is willing to sacrifice some of his people and give them the honored position of martyrdom. God is willing to lose some soldiers in this war. But he is not willing let the wicked shame the name of Jesus. This is a fight that's worth being in. This is a battle that is worth waging war in for righteousness and holiness. This is, this is a battle worth dying as a martyr. Unfortunately, in our modern culture and in our modern church, it seems to all be just a game where everybody can claim to believe what they want to believe. They can act as they want to act. There is no consequence. Believe me, the day is coming when there will be a very serious consequence, shaming the name of Jesus. There will be a day when war will ravage America. When this modern Babylon is finally held accountable to wickedness. Now you think, oh, I can go to church or I can Go somewhere else. You don't need the church to pray for you, do you? No, we live in a cotton candy day when Jesus is a modern Santa Claus. We don't have to be concerned about whether we live or die. We can have our pleasures. We can have our pocket gods, cell phones, computers every other pocket God that we would like to have. We can go to whatever entertainment we choose. We're not soldiers of the cross. We're we're a part of the crowd, but we claim Jesus. May I honest with you? If you're not a part of the army of Jesus Christ, if you are not willing to die for the cross of Jesus Christ, if you don't care how you use your time or your money or your energy, where the primary focus of your life is not to build his kingdom, the primary focus of your life is to live like the rich. You're going to be very disappointed outcome of your life. For you will not die as an honorable man. There are people today dying in Israel. The Lord is with them. 
and Israel will not be destroyed by any war or any army. Israel will last until the very end. And God will bless those who bless Israel. The word says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great so that you will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We are blessed by Israel. It was to Israel that God gave the Ten Commandments. It was to Israel that came forth the greatest cultural advantages this world has ever seen. It is Israel. Jesus came as Messiah, died on Calvary's tree. Every portion of your future is tied up with what you do and say about Israel. You will be judged by Almighty God on whether or not you blessed Israel or cursed Israel. Israel is not a man, except Jesus Christ is Israel. Are they a wicked people? Yes, there are many wicked people. I was devastated when I visited Israel, and I saw the wickedness on the streets of Tel Aviv, the wickedness on the streets of Jerusalem. That will not always be so. God is calling forth a remnant. making them righteous. I hope this broadcast has not been startling to you, but I hope it's been very helpful. I'd like to pray with you. Mighty God, you chose a people. No, you chose a man. And out of that man, you made a people. And out of that people, you made a great nation. And yes, they have been struck down time after time because of their wicked disobedience to you. But you have not ever broken your covenant with Israel. Her will. And all of us have reaped the benefits of especially salvation through Jesus Christ, son of Abraham. Lord, I come today praising you for the nation of Israel and asking Almighty God for the peace of Jerusalem. I ask that you would demonstrate your power once again in this war that they find themselves in and that you would lift them and give them great victory, that they would know that the only way that victory has come to them is through the covenant made with Abraham that you love the people of Israel, that you are desperately sorrowful for their disobedience, their wickedness. But I ask that the world would see in the victory that your blessing is with them and they better Turn aside their vengeance from Jerusalem. Mighty God, 
I consider myself an Israelite, a Gentile who has who has become an Israelite, who has become a part of a hated people called Christians. I pray, Lord, today for victory for the nation of Israel. I pray that you will comfort the hearts of the people who have lost their children or their wives or their husbands. I pray that you will look with mercy now upon this nation and end this wicked war. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Your eyes are upon this city. It is your city. You claim it as your own. Lord, thank you. In spite of the wickedness where they crucified Jesus on the outside of the city, you still keep your covenant because you are a covenant-keeping God. And you didn't make the covenant with the people of Israel. You made the covenant with Abram, a man who was faithful and true. Lord, thank you. I praise and worship and honor your mighty name. For you are the king of kings. And you are the one who judges with justice. You are the one who will punish the wicked with eternal damnation. You are the one who is calling forth now for a remnant people in America and in the world. A people who will be loyal Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way. Rule with justice and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. And I humbly bow before you. For you are the Lord the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Oh, Lord, my God, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we weep. We weep for the loss of the lives of both Hamas, and Israel. I pray for your judgment upon their leaders. I pray for your curses upon the leaders of the enemies of Israel. I pray for your blessing on every man, woman, and nation. that lifts up Israel. My Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now I needed to do this broadcast today, lest you have any question about where Pilgrim's Progress stands in relationship to the Jewish people. We bless them. We encourage them. We weep for them the brutal hostility that they have exercised against their enemies and that enemies of Israel have exercised against them. We hate war. We hate the bitter wickedness of this age. But we love Israel. Pray for their blessing today.
I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. We pray that the messages calling you to repent will be of great value to you. My heart is very heavy today. But it's also very grateful to my Lord Jesus. And I want to pray in the last minute of this broadcast for you. Lord, I ask that you would straighten the Christian church out in regard to its relationship with Israel. I pray, Lord, that the church of today will bless Israel and not curse. I pray, Almighty God, for those today who are sick, who are broken, who are in pain, who are lame. I pray today that the blessing of Jesus will rest upon us, that the healing power of Pentecost will rest upon us. I pray that there will be a great revival of godliness among your people. Lord, I pray that there will be a turning away from the wickedness of this age. That your church will be confronted by the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, not the wicked cotton candy gospel. I pray, Lord, that you will prosper the National Prayer Chapel as we bless Israel. I ask, Lord, that you will multiply your people who are dedicated to you, Jesus. There are some today, Lord, who are in misery, pain, anguish. Lord, would you cause them to know that you are there for them and that you turn your heart toward them right now, that your blessing is with those of us who bless Abraham and your Jewish people. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, my brother, my sister. Thank you, true worshiper, for what you've put on the chat line. Pray for Israel. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory.